Hello, and welcome to the Without Exception podcast. My name is Josiah Ott, and on this podcast, I seek to share practical content for everyday Christians. My hope is that I can help you live out your faith each day without exception. Thanks for tuning in today. I really appreciate you listening. Now, this is episode 14, and today I'm going to share specifically about receiving God's grace in vain, continuing the discussion of grace that I began last week. If you didn't listen to last week's, I encourage you to go listen to it first. It's titled The Frame of Grace and really depicts the idea that we are supposed to be a model or a frame to show God's grace to the rest of the world. And so this week, we're going to talk about the idea of receiving God's grace in vain and how we shouldn't, that is. And first, I want to ask, have you ever lost a gift card? I don't think we ever have for sure, but I know there's been times where we've felt that we lost a gift card or somebody, maybe we knew that somebody had given us a gift card to a certain restaurant and we were getting ready to go to that restaurant later in the week or, or, you know, maybe months later. And we said, well, we know we got this gift card from so-and-so and we know it was for this restaurant. And so we're going to plan to go to this restaurant because we have this gift card. We remember getting it. And then we go and look for the gift card and we're struggling to come up with it. And I I don't think there's ever been a time where we never found it, right? I think we always ended up, you know, uncovering the right rock where the, or so to speak, where the gift card had laid or, you know, open in the right drawer or whatever. But there was times where we felt that we might have squandered the gift. And that just really makes you sick when it's like, you know, somebody spent their hard earned money to bless us with something that we couldn't that a lot of times we wouldn't be able to use right away or wouldn't want to use right away. So you kind of, you know, a lot of times if somebody gives you a gift card, you're not going to go out like later that same day to eat or whatever. A lot of times there's a little bit of a, of a buffer right before you actually get to use it. And so you end up m- misplacing it and then you're worried and you're like, you know, did they spend their money on nothing? They spent their money on this gift card and then we don't know where it is, but we know that it exists. We just don't have a clue where it's at right now. And then you feel bad. Well, in the same way, we can all uh, face the temptation, I guess, to, to squander the gift of God, where God has all given us the gift of his grace, right? Salvation is a gift. The whole idea of grace is it's, it's an unmerited favor for us. It's something that's a gift, something that we did not deserve, something we didn't have to work for. And in the same way, if we're not careful, we can squander this gift. God pours out his grace and we receive it with, with, you know, open hands, but then we just let the, the, it slip through our fingers, so to speak. And we don't, we don't grasp it. We don't receive it in, in a way that's honoring to God. And it just moves on from there. And we, and we, we leave unchanged. And so that's what I want to talk about in this podcast episode. I hope it's an encouragement to you and a, and a challenge to you as well. It's the whole topic has been challenging to me. And when something is working on my life, I like to share it with all of you who listen. That is kind of the object of my whole podcast anyways. So I want to start in 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, Paul had just finished at the end of chapter 14, giving instructions for orderly worship. And then he goes on to defend the resurrection and shares a little bit of his testimony at the end. And that's what I want to read. It's going to be verses 1 through 11. Now, Paul writes, he says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received in which you stand by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain for I delivered to you as of first importance, what I also received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures that he was buried, 
that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, who is Peter, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than five hundred brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Paul's obviously referencing there his encounter on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9, and where he's going with the object of persecuting Christians. He's got letters from the council in Jerusalem to be able to imprison anybody who follows after Jesus, and that's his mission. And along the way, Jesus interrupts his mission with, with this divine vision where he appears to him and knocks him to the ground, you know, and says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? At the time, his name was Saul. You know, he and God's grace did such a work in his life. They changed his name. I mean, think about that. It's pretty cool. So then he goes on to explain this in verse nine. He says, for I'm the least of all the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God, as I just said. Verse 10, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is within me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach and so you believed. So he's sharing the gospel that Jesus died. He was resurrected according to the scriptures and and he appeared. You know, one thing that I love about the resurrection of Jesus is he didn't appear to one guy in an alley somewhere kind of a little bit. He appeared to over 500 people, Paul says in this section of scripture, but he appeared last to Paul on that road to Damascus. And he says, I'm unworthy because I persecuted the church. And then he goes on and says, you know, but God's given me grace and I didn't take this grace for granted. I didn't get this grace in vain. He says, on the contrary, I worked harder than all the other apostles. I mean, if you think Paul went on three missionary journeys, and I think he probably put in more miles uh, traveling and preaching the gospel than anyone else in the early church. In fact, in the early church, uh, Jesus had commanded them to, to go first to, to, to Jerusalem and then to Judea and then to Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth, kind of start, start at home and then spread out from there. And for a season, most of them hadn't even really spread out. They were all kind of still in Jerusalem. And then when persecution started, then they actually started to spread. But Paul ended up going, you know, he got saved and he went immediately and was preaching in the synagogues, like immediately. And then he ends up traveling to to much of the known world, at least in that in that region, uh, travels probably more than anybody else. He says that God's grace wasn't in vain. I wasn't going to take the gift and squander it. I was going to take it and use it. And he said that I'm working harder than anybody out here. And it's not even me that's working. It's God's grace within me that is granting me the ability to work. And I think that's so cool. But he, something I wanted to note is that Paul's unworthiness was the result of past failures. So Paul, a lot of times we see in his, in his life where he says, I'm unworthy. I'm the chief of sinners. And he's always tying this back to when he, when he was persecuting the church. And I know a lot of people like to have the attitude of I'm unworthy. Um, you know, all these different things. I'm the chief of sinners, whatever, because I mess up every day and I don't live an overcoming life. And, and I don't really think that that's Paul's model for us because a lot of times when he's talking about these terrible failures that he had and, and the reason that he's unworthy, it was things that he did before he knew Jesus Christ. And then as, as, as Jesus appeared to him and changed his life and turned his, turned his whole life around, 
you know, he didn't go and say, I'm unworthy because I'm a constant mess and I don't ever live right. And I'm just, you know, I'm just a sinner saved by grace, so I can't live right. And well, I should just keep on sinning so that God's grace can abound. It's like, that's not, that wasn't his, his mission. That wasn't his focus in life. He said, I don't want to receive God's grace in vain, and, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to outwork everybody else in spreading the gospel because I want God's investment to be used effectively. I think back to the story, and I believe it's in Matthew chapter 25, of the men who received the talents. Talents were a, um, a an amount of money, a, a, not like a dollar, you know, it was bigger, but it was, it was a sum of money. And one man received five, I believe, one man received two and one man received one, I believe it was the denominations that they had received. And you got two guys that are like, you know, we don't want to do nothing with what we've been given. We're going to go out and work and we're going to earn more. But then you have the one guy who said, well, you know, I, I took this talent and I buried it and uh, master, here's your talent back. You know, I didn't do anything with what you gave me. And here it is. You know, I got the one talent. I didn't lose it at least. And he called, he was called a wicked and slothful servant because he didn't go out and he didn't he didn't go out and work. He didn't go out and, and use the gift. Instead, he squandered it by burying it. This whole idea of things being in vain, it's really kind of intense if you think about it. Like, can you imagine how anybody would feel if they were considered the wicked and slothful servant? I mean, imagine that. Or God said, hey, uh, I gave you a gift and you squandered it. Or I gave you a gift and you received it in vain. I, I just, I mean, a- any passage that's challenging like that, it, it really does uh, put forth kind of this hard to hear truth, but it, but it's there. And this idea of being in vain, uh, the the word vain in this scripture can function as both an adjective and an adverb, which I thought was interesting because it, it can, so it can modify a noun or it can modify a verb. Basically in, in this setting in first Corinthians 15, it's an adjective talking about God's grace, that God's grace itself would be in vain, that he would have gotten this grace, but, but it would have been vain. And it literally means vacuous or devoid of any advantage or benefit. Can you imagine looking at God and saying, God, I know you poured out your grace in my life, but it was without any benefit or advantage to me. It made no difference. I mean, I can't imagine looking at God who saved me and redeemed me and did all these marvelous things for me and then poured out his grace abundantly so that I could be used by him. I mean, Paul, again, in that section he says that it's through God's grace. He's like, I'm doing all this work. I'm toiling. I'm doing all these things for God, but it's not even me that's doing the work. It's God's grace working within me. God's grace was sufficient for him when he had trials and he said, God, I've got this thorn and I need you to take it away. And God says, no, my grace is sufficient for you and my power is made perfect in your weakness. So as long as you have my grace, you're fine. But then to imagine looking at, at, at God and saying, well, this is what you gave me but it didn't bring any advantage or benefit to my life. Really, it, it did nothing, which some people do. I mean, they don't ever say that, but that's the lives that they live. It, it, that word can also mean to leave empty-handed. So it's like God gave it to you and you leave empty-handed, having acquired nothing, gained nothing. And so this idea essentially is talking about grace not being a license to sin, because if you go and say, well, your God's your grace, it was, it was vacuous. It was devoid of advantage. Uh, it was devoid of benefit. It made no difference. I left empty handed all these things. It's like, well, it made no difference. So I'm going to stay the same that I've always been. But uh, an idea that I like to think is that grace is not a license to sin. It's a license to be used by God 
because Paul said, you know, it's through God's grace that I'm able to do all this work. By God's grace, I am what I am. You know, I'm I'm the least of all the apostles. I'm unworthy, but he really wasn't. I mean, if you think he was probably the most influential figure in Christianity throughout the entire history of Christianity, aside from Jesus himself, and yet he calls himself unworthy in the least of all the apostles, which is obviously his perspective and not the truth, right? He's not literally the least of all the apostles. He was the greatest apostle, but he didn't look at himself that way. He just goes and says, you know, through this, through this failure that I've had, I deem myself to be the least, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, which was truly the greatest, but he would never consider himself that. But again, it's that license to be used by God. God wants to use all of us. God has a purpose for all of us to spread the gospel, to build his kingdom on the earth. It's not like a, oh, my destiny. And this is the special thing that God's like, yes, God has something for all of us, but I don't like to, the the word destiny a lot of times just kind of irritates me because it has kind of a, I don't know, almost a more of a worldly connotation to it. You know, I, I don't, I just don't think it's a great depiction of, of, of this topic, but God has a, a plan for us. I mean, th- that is definitely a, a truth. The first plan is obviously that we would repent and be saved from our sin and to turn to Jesus. But then after that, he wants to use us and he used Paul. I mean, think of how much God used Paul. He did all these great things. And so if Paul would have just said, Hey, I'm leaving empty handed, I'm going to use this grace as a license to sin. Then, then how many people would have never heard the gospel because he wouldn't have traveled and, and preached and he wouldn't have used that grace as his equipping to serve God. Romans chapter six, it's probably the most famous dialogue on this topic. In verse one says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can one who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Jesus Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Not to be the same person, not to leave as if we received no benefit or advantage, but to walk in a brand new life because our former nature was crucified with him. And now through his grace reigning in our life, we can live an overcoming different life. It was never meant to be a license to sin. It's such a popular topic. And there's so many people that can be famous for saying that, you, hey, you never have to change. You can just sin all that you ever want, all that you ever have. And God's grace will cover all your sins. And surely God's grace will cover your sins. But for me, you know, if your heart and your aim in life is to use grace as a license to sin, I, it's hard for me to believe that you've actually received grace. Because I believe that God's grace is comes to to change us. And in um, next week's episode or the following week, I can't remember how I have it structured. We're going to talk about grace as our teacher from Titus chapter two and how God's grace will actually teach us to overcome. It's not going to teach us to remain in sin. That's not God's desire. So I, I can't imagine you truly receive God's grace and truly desire it and then don't want to change. God wants to have us walk in newness of life. He wants to see us live an overcoming life. One where we can say, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And that's a good thing. Not to say that by the grace of God, I am what I am. And I wallow in, in this in the mire of sin all the time. There's another great verse. It's actually the one immediately before this, at the end of Romans chapter five, the apostle Paul writes this. He said, now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. And this is one of my favorite verses. He said, so that 
as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we see, he said, as sin reigned in death. So when he's talking about death, he's talking about the reign of sin under Adam. Something I love about Romans 5 is it, it's, it's my favorite chapter in all of scripture. It's the only chapter I have committed to memory so far in scripture because it has meant so much to me because he goes through and discusses the idea that, you know, here's one way that we were under Adam and now this is what it's like, like under Christ. And it's like a big, you know, compare, not compare, I guess, just contrasting um, Adam with Christ and how we are now under the reign of Adam, under the, or under the reign of Christ, rather, instead of Adam, under the reign of righteousness and how, how it's so much different. So he's saying as sin reigned in death, that's under the Adamic nature. That is when we were unsaved. The the implication is too, it's so, it's so powerful that, you know, when you're not saved, it's not like sin is something that you do. Sin is your master. Sin is your Lord that reigns over your life. It's not like, well, I'm a good person, but I'm not perfect. And I mess up sometimes. It's like, no, you are under, under the wrath of God. And sin is the ruling force in your life. And it's leading to death. That is, that's the gospel. But then through Jesus Christ, we have grace that reigns through righteousness as the same way. So as sin reigned in death to the same extent that it was easy to run to sin when it was your master. Now we have grace reigning in our lives through righteousness and resulting in eternal life. I mean, isn't that the most amazing thing to think that just, I love the word as there, it's only two letters and it really shows like, look at this, like in the same manner that we used to have to deal with this sin and it was our boss and it controlled our lives. And now, now we can reign in life through Jesus Christ and through his grace. I mean, it's just such an amazing thought. And if you tell you, if if you don't have kids yet, I've found out that the whole idea of, of running to sin, I mean, my daughter is the most sweet, precious thing, but when she started to be able to move and, and walk and run, it's like, she always wants to get into trouble. You know, she, it's just, it's so funny. Like, I guess it's our nature, right? Is to run from doing the right thing. And, you know, we're parents and we're trying to raise her right. And then she would like run and want to turn the knobs on on the stove. And it's like, why does that even appeal to you? You know? And it just shows that there's this, this nature in us to disobey and, and she's sweet and we love her to death, but there's so many times where you can see it's like, all right, there's definitely, there's definitely a nature here that is, that is contrary to what mom and dad want. And we have to have to work on this. And when she's old enough and she can understand the gospel and she can submit to Jesus, she'll have that grace reigning in her life and it'll make a big difference, you know? So I, I, I just, I love that section of scripture. If you've never read Romans 5, I really challenge you to go read it. Memorize it if you can. It's so powerful. And it shows us just how different our lives should be under the reign of Christ than under the reign of Adam. And if we have this new life in Christ, then why would we ever want to live as if we're still under the reign of sin through the Adamic nature? I definitely don't want to. And in closing, I want to share an illustration that I always find funny. There's a story, I don't, I'm assuming it's a true story, I can't remember where I first heard it, of two men trying to move I believe it was a washing machine. I, I can't tell you for sure. They're trying to move a big, heavy object. And there, there's a guy, I believe the guy was struggling to do it on his own. Another guy shows up and says, hey, I, I see you're struggling with this washing machine. Can I help you? Yes, yes, I need help. So then he goes and grabs one end of the washing machine and they're trying and trying and trying and then they get nowhere and they're still like stuck in the door of the house. And then afterwards, the one guy says, 
well, we're never going to get this thing inside. And then the other guy says, inside? I thought we were going outside. You know, it's and it's such, I, I, I love the illustration because they weren't on the same page, right? And you look at it and it's like, well, you're like when when the guy showed up to help, you didn't say, hey, we're taking this thing inside and make sure that he knew. Like in, instead you just assumed, I guess, or whatever. It's just kind of funny. But it shows that you can have two people working against each other. And I don't ever want in my life to be working against God. I know that some people glory in the fact that, oh, God can do great things in spite of me. And I don't want my life to ever have the testimony of in spite of me. I don't want that to be my testimony. Now, God can work in spite of me. God will work. No no sin that I can commit will stop God's purposes in the world. I mean, he's going to take care of his purpose in in the earth, whether I'm on board or not. But as a Christian... And as somebody that has been entrusted with the gospel, the last thing I want to do is work against God and then say, well, I really made it almost impossible for God to pull this off, but he's the God of the impossible. So he still pulled it off. But man, I made it hard. Like what testimony is that? I want to raise the standard. I want to work with God. And that was what Paul did. He worked with God alongside God as a co-laborer. And in 2 Corinthians 6, 1, this is my last verse. Paul says that working together with him then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Again, he's talking about grace in vain. But he says we're working together with God. That's that's his object as, a, as an apostle is to work with God. He's not saying, well, I'm going to preach a false gospel and God's going to use me in spite of me. No, he says I'm working with God. And as a result of that, I'm appealing to you. I'm begging you. Don't receive this grace in vain. Now, the, this is verse one, the last verse of the previous chapter, Paul had just finished telling them that Jesus became sin, like he became sin who knew no sin, so that in him we could become the righteousness of God. That's the context of this. And then immediately he says, hey, we can become the righteousness of God. So then as a result of this, I'm working together with God, and I beg you, don't receive this grace in vain. So... I want to, as somebody that has the opportunity to speak to others, if you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time and have any influence in your life, I appeal to you, don't ever receive God's grace in vain. Don't ever say that, hey, um, God's grace makes no difference. I received it for no reason or to no end or his grace brought no advantage to me. Like I, I don't want that to be the testimony of any Christian. And so I hope I can appeal to you today to make, just as Paul did, is somebody that I desire to work alongside God in my life. That's my aim. I don't want to to make it harder on him. I don't want him working in spite of me. I want to be a co-laborer with Christ to be able to share the gospel and to be able to be um, helpful to other people. And I want to share a quick prayer that um, I pray somewhat regularly. It's from the Valley of Vision book, or uh, again, that I've shared a little bit about before. And this is a personal prayer. And they said that may I be um, a monument to the efficacy of his grace and a trophy of his victory. And I just thought that was one of the coolest statements. I want to be a monument to the effect, the efficacy of God's grace to, sh- to prove that God's grace is effective, that it changes men, including myself. I want to be a trophy of his victory. I want people to be able to look to me and be able to see the victory of Jesus Christ over sin and the effectiveness of God's grace. So remember, grace is not a license to sin, but it is a license to be used by God. So with that, thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Without Exception podcast. 
I pray that this episode has been edifying to you and that it is something you can put into practice in your own life. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe and share it with others. If you were listening on Apple, I would love it if you would leave a review. It helps with the exposure of the show. That said, I pray you have an awesome week, and until I see you next time, let's live out our faith each day without exception.